Hello and welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM and on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Now, next this week, I have a returning guest, Mary Conway, chair of the Irish Property Owners Association. And of course, we've spoken to Mary previously in our capacity as the owner of Janice Estates. Um, but Mary, today, you're very welcome back to us today. And today we're absolutely going to be focusing on what is going on in the rental market in Dublin. Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I think we're looking at the rental market in the whole country, probably. Um, the focus seems to be on Dublin because that's mm. where the greater population is. But uh, really, it's impacting everybody all around the country. It has been such a crazy week. I mean, I, I feel like every week we say rental news is dominating um, the not just the media commentary, but social media commentary. And yet it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And just, um, you know, the, the conversation always seems to kind of peak when there's new reports out. And so this week saw the report, um, the daft, the latest daft report. And I know Ronan Lyons shared some figures that might astonish people. So, for example, you know, he talked about Ireland needing 10,000 new homes coming into the rental market uh, or coming back to the rental market every month. That's a huge figure. It's a phenomenal figure. And at the moment, I think we've something like, you know, just slightly over two and a half thousand coming in every month. So like not even a quarter of what we need just to, to get to a, a functional state. So that's just causing so many problems. So, look, we might just break them down, break them down. Um, and let's start with something that you and I have discussed on air in the past. And that is the continuing exodus of landlords from the market. It's not slowing. No, if anything, it's probably, you know, everybody's saying, oh, the eviction ban has been a great success and it's stopped people being pushed out of their homes. We opposed the uh, the IPOA, Irish Property Owners Association, opposed the ban at the beginning because we said, you know, what really is it going to achieve? Is it going to bring the homeless numbers down? And in fact, we've seen that they've, they've gotten higher. So they based it, I think, on the fact that they had a, what they called a successful eviction ban during COVID. And the reason that it was successful was when COVID hit, nobody knew what was going to happen. And we had our people from Facebook and Google that went back to their own country, freeing up um, accommodation there. And then we had the boys and girls from Kerry and Cork and everywhere else that went home. And a lot of cases stayed at home and worked from home. So some houses were freed up to the market and then um, apartments that were allegedly in Airbnb came back to the market. But um, landlords are leaving in droves. And my concern is, you know, people will leave for various reasons and there will always be a rate of attrition in any organisation or any industry. But the thing about it is nobody's getting in and we need a functioning private rental market. So why are people not getting in? Well, there's reasons. The reasons that people are getting out of the reasons people aren't getting in is over taxation and over regulation. And looking at a survey of European countries and what tax people are paying in other countries, Irish landlords are paying higher uh, tax than any of the other countries. And then with regards to over regulation, well, we had the Residential Tenancies Act in 2004. And I think there's been something like 156 changes or 156 amendments to the Act in that time. And the RTB was set up after the Residential Tenancies Act, and they're the ones that enforce the legislation. So while everybody gives out about the RTB, they're really only doing what is in the legislation. 
Um, so, you know, the whole thing needs to be looked at and overhauled. Um, well, yes and no in terms of the RTB. I mean, yes, they're working off the legislation that's there, but actually they're also instrumental in shaping the policy around it, uh, as is reflected in all those changes you mentioned. But also they're kind of the adjudication body as well. And that has absolutely not been balanced. I, I don't think there's anybody that could defend the the um I, I, I suppose defend the consistent pro tenant and anti landlord um rulings that are coming out of the RTB. And then anything that does actually even go towards the middle in terms of balance. Um so where landlords who have been you know, really the victims uh, of their tenants in some situations, there's no enforceability. So there's it's, mm. so it's a lose lose situation for for landlords. And it's not about it's not about championing um, pro landlord rights. It's not about pro tenant rights. It's about getting that balance right so that there's a, a sustainable, workable marketplace whereby the people who are providing the service, the people who are availing of the service, both have rights and responsibilities and that's not happening at the moment it's it's completely one-sided you know and and if anything that's getting worse the changes that have come over the last decade and a half nearly two decades have made that worse yeah and the big biggest concern i suppose for a lot of our members at the moment particularly the older members is that there is annual registration now it used to be you registered to tenancy and you paid every four years, but now you need to tend to pay every year. And it's 40 euros to register. It used to be 90. But the difficulty is they set up this very cumbersome uh, website uh, where you register your tenancies online. And like, I will be pretty slick at this at this stage. I've had plenty of practice and I still fall down. And it's something simple like putting in MC instead of MAC or for ages, there was a problem that I couldn't register a tenant because I couldn't get into the drop down menu. It was Dublin City Council, but it wouldn't work for me. So the older members are just getting completely disillusioned. A lot of them wouldn't be computer literate. They have the most amazing uh, paper records. But anything you send in by paper seems to take months and months to get a response on. So the system is pretty broken with regards to registration at the moment. Um, and that's one big challenge for our members, yeah. as distinct from anything going on with tenants and, you know, determination orders or adjudication or anything like that. And like you'll hear um, organisations say that, you know, there were so many invalid notices of termination um uh, sent and it makes it sound as if the landlord has done something wrong or is out to shaft somebody very quickly whereas in fact it is the paperwork that is the problem for example if you have a landlord living abroad um they need to serve the notice of termination it needs to go into the department of foreign affairs to be validated and then it needs to be sent in so everything is very cumbersome and clunky and needs to be streamlined um Mary, only in the in the last week, you know, it's looking more likely that despite despite all of the evidence that it hasn't worked, it does look like the eviction ban is going to be extended. You know, how are your members? How are your members? Like, what's the feeling across your members about that? They're very frustrated. They're very frustrated that it was imposed at the beginning. And there are lots of people that need to sell for various reasons. And it could be 
Um, the bank is chasing them down. It could be they have a family member that needs to move in. Um, it could be a marital breakup and a property has to be sold. Um, like a blanket ban does not work. Um, no. Does it work on an individual basis? Like the notices of termination are quite complex. And if somebody has been in a property for over seven years, the notice period is 224 days, which is about eight months. So if I serve a notice of termination today, um, I think it comes in around the 29th of September. So, you know, there is a very long lead into somebody leaving a property. I suppose the problem is because landlords have sold up, there's nowhere for them to move to. Yeah, and that's it, the it, biggest challenge. It's it's such a disconnect. Now, I know um, there have been, you know, even where we've had reason to be optimistic, you know, certainly before Budget 23, in the weeks before or in the months before Budget 23, you know, there seemed to be a growing acknowledgement by the state that actually we need to stop landlords leaving. And then obviously there was political landlord um, uh reputation and PR crisis that made it unpalatable to mm-hmm. do the to do kind of what needed to be done in budget 2023 and that's what we saw last year um but it it feels like then this tokenistic um like what what was the latest one a couple of weeks ago um fridges uh, a greater allowance <laughs> towards appliances and fridges and I just that just seemed to really anger the the landlord yeah. community because it was trivializing something so important um and and it, and then that just showed an absolute lack of understanding about this joint up thinking that actually if more people are leaving that means there's less supply fewer people coming mm-hmm. in we're not creating new supply so actually all of the policies are moving in the wrong direction um, and and just this week this week i know uh, property industry ireland pii lobbied and you know they were before the the Oireachtas committee there and they lobbied for landlords to be brought in to the uh Cronaha scheme uh for the city scheme I, I think just cities not towns which would be welcome have you floated that by your members or what's their take on it um I think our members are just at the moment they're just so caught up with rent pressure zones and the eviction ban and the taxation that really that's where their focus is. And like we put a, a budget submission together and we worked with, with IPAV um, because IPAV see the results of landlords leaving the market. They see they're selling the properties. And, you know, we looked for 25% tax in, um, across the board, including PRSI and USC, and that the institutional landlords would pay um, something as well towards tax. We also looked for capital taxes reform. And if you remember the Section 23, that was a great scheme to generate um, the inner city back in the, the late 80s. So, sorry, late 90s. So, you know, looking, what could we do to be constructive? And we put a whole thing to the government. And as you say, all we got was bridges. That, that was just so frustrating. And actually, um, Sean Keyes writing in The Currency this week had a really good piece about rent controls. And, you know, and he he I think he framed it that there's kind of an art to rent controls that it has been completely lost on the Irish government. You know, so the main issue with the Irish rent controls, um, and, and this is something he was putting forward, is that their failure to provide a balance between tenant protection and the supply side initiatives. So essentially... 
the difference between the the rent rates for movers and for those staying um or had been there uh, after the the introduction of the rent pressure zones in 2016 it was actually leading to significant problems on the supply side and while i think most credible and good operators want strong tenant protection we know that strong tenant protection is important um in a contemporary rental market but on the flip side of that, investors need stability and, and predictability. And I know some of the some of the I, I suppose not not necessarily solutions, but some of the policies that could be looked at to, to provide a bit of balance there might be to exempt new supply from the rent control rules. Um, or another would be to kind of use the third generation rent control. So you're basically limiting the rent increases within a tenancy, but not this flat out what we've done which is actually distorting the market. And, and we know from the stats that it's driving landlords out of the market. It's not creating new tenancies. And then the class of, of landlords, the institutional landlords who are creating new tenancies are being chased out of the Irish market, you know, reputationally anyway. So, you know, like what needs to be done in terms of policy to turn this around? And do you think the current government have the wherewithal to do that? I don't think they do because housing and health have been the two biggest challenges for the current government. And really, they failed on both. Um, and what could they have done with housing? It's difficult to know. But the biggest thing is the supply. And penalising small landlords for the fact the government haven't built social housing is only driving landlords out of the market there. And you made a, a relevant point. And, and my big concern is, you know, landlords are getting out. Nobody's getting in. Why are they not getting in? Because if I have a property today and I have had my good tenants for the last 10 years and they, you know, they've been able to cover my mortgage and um, maybe a little bit surplus to pay my tax and I've kept the rent very low. And for example, it's a thousand euros a month. And the going rate in the area is two and a half thousand for a rent. Um, you know, we're talking about a three-bed house somewhere. Um, and I sell it, it's going, no investor is going to buy it because they're stuck at my thousand euros plus the two percent. So if that could be reversed, that the rent would revert to market rate. That would be some incentive for some investors to get into the market. Um, you know, you hear all the things about uh, landlords getting all this money from HAP and um, very large amounts of money are going out from the government. Why wasn't some of that money put into housing? But then you have the other side of the story is that who's going to build the houses? Because, number one, we don't have the people that are trained. We haven't been encouraging people into apprenticeships. And then if we bring people in from abroad, where are we going to house them? So, you know, we're going around in circles with this. Yeah, no, it is crazy. In terms of that tenant in situ, um, look, the Tanishta made some Look, I think he made some comments this week that I suspect might have been a little bit off the cuff or, you know, I don't know, was he was he doorstepped or what? But um, he made some comments there that essentially, um, you know, even say the owners of vacant properties should be required to um, just take whatever, you know, if their property is identified, should be required to take whatever tenants the local authority wants to put in there or whatever 
rates the local authority wants to put them in there and the owner of that property should just um, accept it. You know, we really shouldn't even have a say in it. And, you know, he was referring to a Danish model, which I'm not familiar with. Um, but, you know, it, it just seemed like such a flippant way to essentially take the the ownership or the rights away from a property owner to the point where I feel that maybe some of the comments were made were made um you know maybe without fully thinking them through but it it points to a really serious problem we have in terms of policy and quite mm. frankly we have less than half of the current government lifetime still to go there's a, a new party more most likely going to come into place and um you know this has really been tackled in the media um around that, you know, trying to question why does the Irish middle class have such a fear of Sinn Féin? So, like, can you talk, maybe, can you speak about maybe how your members are feeling? Is this a, a change in government and the the whatever policies might follow? Is that something, is it is it accurate to say there's a fear there? Yeah, there is, because, I mean, Article 43 of the Constitution um, you know, we've this has been trotted out time and time again that um, you know, extending the eviction ban or you know, provide the eviction ban was for the common good. But you know, the government can't give protection of to one to one citizen over another. So you know, um, Sinn Fein are. They come in with different things on different days and they've talked about um, a rent cap for three years. They've talked about a blanket eviction ban and that's completely interfering uh, with somebody's rights, the, you know, their independent rights of the property that they own. So that is causing fear among members. Um, I had somebody who rang me during the week and he said, I want to do, um, you know, I've had, she's been a great tenant and all the rest, but I want to sell my property now because I need to be able to clear my mortgage because if Sinn Féin get in, I mightn't be able to sell it. And what do I do then? Um, uh, I, I think a lot of the opposition commentary is calling for just keeping the tenants in situ. Could that work in Ireland? Yeah, it sounds lovely in theory, but, um, you know, my experience as an estate agent and other estate agents will tell you the same, like working with the councils to get a sale over the line takes so long. And the council then mightn't automatically want to keep the tenant that's there in situ because where are they on the housing list or wherever? You know, where is the fairness in it? Um, it sounds lovely. They won't give probably the market rent for the house. And then there's so much red tape in getting it across the line that it can take six, nine, ten months, maybe longer. Um, whereas if you put the house on the open market and vacant possession, you get your sale done quicker and uh, market rent. Um, I, you see, there's this perception, I think, that landlords are a charitable organisation, that, you know, we don't have mortgages, we don't have costs, that we don't pay taxes. Whereas a lot of landlords are just surviving from month to month. And I know yeah. somebody will hear this and say, oh, my God, so they're all loaded. What is this woman on? But I know from my own personal um, experience at the moment with the mortgage interest rate gone up on trackers, I am just being my cash flow is completely non-existent. And I'm just afraid at the moment that if a boiler or something goes, then I'm not going to have the money to replace it. 
And that's the reality for me and for a lot of other landlords. Yeah, I but think that's not the perception right. in the media. Yeah, no, you're right. There's a total misconception uh, out there. And and actually, you and I were at an industry event uh, very recently where we had reason. And, and I'm not sure if you heard the discussion at the table, but there was uh, one of the event uh, kind of organizers was sharing her personal experience. Yeah. You know, she works in events, um, but her herself and her partner have a property. And she was just talking about the challenges of that and essentially with the with the tracker mortgage the challenges that were she was facing coming off that um and i i think that if one of the best things we could do is maybe educate not just the not just policymakers but actually the 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 wider community because the wider community have this perception of fat cat landlords and it's hmm. so far from the reality and if they could hear the stress that this particular uh, young woman and her partner mm. were under and the home mm. they had never intended to be landlords yes. it was their starter home that through negative x and otherwise they just weren't in a position to sell when their family expanded and they need to move on so they, they never set out to be landlords um they certainly didn't want to be it certainly wasn't a profitable experience and mm. isn't a profitable experience for them um so you've got in the same way that we've got people locked into the rental market, we've got people locked into providing that rental as well. And it's not working for either. It's not working for either party. Yeah, 85% of landlords have one to two properties and they provide point, or 53.5% of the rental stock in Ireland. So why is that not reflected in policy? I, I mean, uh, sorry, that's an unfair question to ask you because I know that you and your members are frustrated with that. But I suppose... I, you know, and again, I, I'm conscious of time and we need to wrap up, but I, I'm really interested to know kind of from the perspective of the Irish Property Owners Association, is there any sense of optimism that that policymakers understand the, the dynamics at play? There isn't, because we have been saying this for a very long time. We would know from calls coming into the office how frustrated people are and, you know, that they want to get out of the market. And it's, it's something like 7,000 tenancies a year have been lost at the moment you know and you quoted Ronan Lyons there saying that we need 10,000 a month I mean these are properties that are already built or are already there and they've been lost to the rental market and they're never going to come back and the institutional landlords are providing about 16,000 properties in total so you know our members are providing a lot more accommodation but you know, I think what happened was the government decided that it would be lovely to have the institutional landlords because they would provide nice properties and it would all be above board and there'd be no shoddy, um, you know, they got rid of the bed sits and they yeah. didn't see the, the consequences of that. I think they're now trying to get rid of the small landlords. And it's funny because I read something on the UK, uh, from the UK this morning, pretty much the same things are happening over there. The only difficult, the only difference is they're able to put up their rents. We're completely stuck. I mean, when you see all these reports and they say, oh, rents are up by 17% and others are saying, but where? You know, all on my la- all my uh, members can do is put it up by 2%. Yeah. So where are the figures coming from? Do you know, Mary, I take on board exactly what you're saying um, in terms of the, I suppose, the private or individual landlords. But to be fair, the, the PRS, the institutional landlords, they're being pushed out too. The, the policies are really... Um, and there's been such an inconsistency in the policies there that we know it's leaving Ireland Inc. in a very vulnerable position when our reputation is being viewed 
by by uh, international money. You know, we know that Ireland's inconsistency in terms of policymaking is a really big problem. Yeah. And um, without the institutional landlords, you know, we will be in a worse situation mm-hmm. uh, because they are providing a lot of accommodation in the city. But, you know, our our members are really rural for the most part. And, you know, what's going to happen down in Leitrim and Longford and wherever when landlords are getting out of the market? There's nothing being built down there to replace them. And um, before we finish up, have you because I know that you work probably more closely with policymakers maybe than than others. So is there any reason for optimism kind of for for private landlords over the next kind of 18 months? I don't think so. Not unless um, they look at the taxation and that they look at the regulation. In order to turn the ship around now, how severe do the changes need to be? They need to be quite severe. And I don't think it's going to happen because the populist vote is against the landlords. So, you know, we're up fighting a losing battle. Yeah, that's really discouraging. And, you know, mm-hmm. honestly, if we were having this conversation, certainly last summer, I was really genuinely starting to to see some reasons for optimism. I, I, I believed that our policymakers and that our politicians were coming around to the idea that they would need to make some some tough calls. Um, but actually, we saw the minute there were landlord scandals uh, across the political classes, all of that rode back. So, in fact, if anything, we moved backwards instead of forwards instead in terms of policy and what we got were greater. I mean, when you sit at just... a table with Focus Ireland and Threshold and, you know, the various organisations and they're all saying, look, can you give the landlords some support to stay in the market? You know, things are fairly bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mary, look, thank you so much. As always, um, I am deeply appreciative of your time, whether it's in your capacity as uh, owner of Janice Estates or through the Property Owners Association. Um, Please do stay in touch with us because so much is changing at the moment. It does feel like we're coming to a bit of a uh, Mm -hmm. we're, we're coming to a point where action is going to need we're going to need some strong action whether it comes or not i feel like we were in that position two years ago and even three years ago we've been we've been getting to there since 2016 and maybe even earlier um but it feels like the government has a very short lifetime in front of it to turn Mm -hmm. things around so actually if there was ever a time for bold action this is it so you know that this might be something we see but as always thank you so much for giving your time we need to take a quick break now stay tuned thank you